0: The Gospel of the Lord according to Luke, the fourth chapter. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except naaman the syrian when they had heard this all in the synagogue were filled with rage they got up drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way the gospel of the lord
1: let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray for your spirit that you would work through your word and let your word do its work in our lives. And in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. We have an amazing story as we're in the middle of Epiphany, a great Epiphany, In Jesus' first sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth, in a previous episode, Jesus stood up last week and opened up the scroll of Isaiah and began to read from the 61st chapter, words about captives being set free and Good news being preached to the poor in the acceptable year, the the year of the Lord's forgiveness and grace, perhaps the Jubilee year, happening. It was a great sermon. Everybody spoke well of him. And you have to understand, we need to go back 500 years before Jesus and think about when this great sermon was first given by the prophet Isaiah. And so... For 500 years, the people of Israel had been hearing this great part of Isaiah 61 about exiles being brought home and those captive being set free and the oppressed being, you know, released. In their minds, you got to know what they were thinking. Go back to when Isaiah first spoke those words people were most likely in Babylon. Give you a little, I I forgot to tell you, you're going to have to work a little bit today. So, you know, come on. Are you ready to work? Are you ready to work? Give it some time. All right. So go back in history. So the Babylonians had wiped out the southern kingdom of Judah. Before that, in the 700s, Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom. But we've got basically just Judah left, which is why people were, God's people were called Jews And so they were carried off in the exile. They were captive. And so this word from Isaiah is talking about, wow, we're going to be set free from that captivity. And they got to go home. But once they were home, what happened? Have you heard of Alexander the Great? you probably heard about him. I think. Maybe not. Um, Check it out. You probably should know that. I know our high school kids and and grade school kids are probably learning about Alexander the Great in, in their history books and stuff so but he came in and he took over all the known world including the holy land including God's the land of the, that the Israelites would be in that they got to go home to and then other Greek leaders after Alexander the Great um, ruled over the people they were at home but they really weren't in fact one of them Antiochus Epiphanes set up a, 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 a memorial a, temple within God's people's temple to Zeus and so it was just horrible can you think of how offensive that would be if somebody came in and put up some other kind of idol and replaced the cross or something I don't you know it it was it was just horrible and so they had gone through that oppression and then um, they got you might not know this but they got a short time of independence the Maccabees wiped out the Persians, I mean, wiped out the Greeks, and so they had independence for a while. But there was so much infighting among the Jewish people themselves that they were easy pickings for who? Who came along next? There we go, the Romans. You've heard of them, the great empire of Rome. And so now they're under the the heavy taxation and the oppression and the, the control of the Romans. So for all those 500 years, before Jesus comes on the scene, they've been hearing this text that you heard last week about the captives being set free. What do you think they were thinking? Oh, when is God going to give us back our land and our independence and when are we not going to be under the domination of this outside evil force? And so now Jesus stands up in this synagogue of Nazareth and he rolls the scroll and unrolls it to this spot and he reads this and he reads it powerfully and he sits down and everybody is amazed they're excited why they think this could be it this is the time when that evil outside force god's going to take care of them but oh things take a dramatic turn don't they we've got a picture up of jesus reading from the scroll of isaiah and then we've got a picture of a cliff that overlooks nazareth they move from speaking well of jesus to saying we want to kill this guy this is the sermon that almost got jesus killed now if i'm being faithful to the text does that mean that you're going to want to kill me after this Let's see how long it goes. <laughs> I'm going to need some time today. What is the difference between speaking well of Jesus to uh, we're going to kill this guy. Let's throw him off a cliff. What are the key factors? Well, there's a number of them. First, Jesus says this is fulfilled. Maybe some of them started to think, "Wait a minute. The Roman centurion's still outside." looking over us how can this be fulfilled maybe they started to think about that Um, the other thing that you probably didn't notice unless you've got Isaiah 61 memorized is where Jesus stopped he says and declared the acceptable year of the Lord and he stopped now for us we think okay big deal But you know what comes after that? There's another line in Isaiah. And the year of the Lord's vengeance. He left out the best part. I mean, if you are an oppressed Jewish group of people living in your land with another force oppressing you and controlling you and on top of you and extracting all kinds of taxes from you, and Jesus leaves out the day of vengeance, you're like, man, you didn't finish the story. You left something out. They get upset at him because, yeah, then they start to think, well, this is Joseph, just ordinary Jesus. We've watched him grow up. How can he be speaking these things? And and it's a true factor of human, that the expert from the outside always has more authority from the hometown person, but, you know, also we like bells and whistles, and ordinary stuff can't bring us really the powerful, so there's all kinds of stuff with that. But then the other reason why they get so upset, it would seem, is Jesus almost picks a fight with them, and he starts talking about a couple of times where Elijah and Elisha healed people. But do you know who those people that were healed were? They were not Jewish people. Naaman the Syrian, the widow of Zarephath. These were outsiders. So not only does Jesus leave out the vengeance at those outsiders, he also talks about stories where the outsider was brought in, was healed, and God's redemption went to them. I'm trying to think of what would, this would make sense to our teenagers. It's like, you know, the in-group and the out-group at school? I mean, there's lots of variations of that. You know, in my day, we had the, you know, the, the jocks or the, you know, the sports c- cool people. And then we had the other cool. And then and we had all these people in and out groups. And so we had that. Well, um, and then there were some folks like, you really did not like And to hear that those people get to come in and be part of the group? Whoa! So, now they want to kill Jesus. And maybe there's one more factor. And that is a word that we'll talk about in just a minute. About forgiveness. The word that the set free part, captive, the captives who are oppressed, you know, the set free setting those people released to the captives, the word is actually forgiveness. And we'll come back to that. Because why would they get so upset? Because maybe Jesus is also not just saying that the one that needs help is out there, but the one that needs help is in here. Okay, so is this making any sense to you? Why they move from speaking well of Jesus to trying to throw him off a cliff? See, Jesus identifies the problem not as those outside Romans or those outside oppressive forces, but right here in the heart. Each person, all of us, are responsible. We are the ones who need forgiveness. We are the ones that need to be set free. Um, And we are the problem. So when the problem gets defined here, people get upset. Now I think I can tell you that you're the problem, and you're not going to try and kill me, right? (laughs) In other words, this is a Jonah story. Why did Jonah run away? He didn't want to proclaim repentance to the Ninevites. Why? He didn't like the Ninevites. And he knew God would forgive him. So they are upset because there's for two reasons that they are identified as being part of the problem when they had posited the problem outside of themselves and then they're upset because the people outside of themselves also are going to get forgiveness and grace and mercy just like they are. Now how can we relate to this? Do we ever get in that space? You think about that for a minute. Let's go back then to that word for forgiveness. And this is kind of a Bill Crabtree discovery. Not really. I'm not saying toot my horn, but I don't hear a lot of commentators talk about this, so I'm probably totally off base. (laughs) So you decide whether what I'm going to tell you right now has any merit. But the word for setting free here in Jesus' sermon that we heard last week and the word for um, um, release... The captives, that word in Greek is offices, which is always in the New Testament. There's not one other place, and it's used all over the place in Acts and Luke and all as forgiveness. That's what it means to forgive. Now, forgiveness is a kind of release, it's being set free from something, but it's a specific kind of release. And if I ask translators who translated our wonderful translation that we read. Through today, If I asked them, well, why did you translate offices here in this sermon in this one place as release instead of forgiveness? What would they say? They would for sure say, well, it's the context, Bill. Words can mean different things in different contexts. And, and it wouldn't make sense for captives to need forgiveness. Or would it? You see, maybe Jesus is reshaping this passage to not be about the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. Maybe he's reshaping it to say that we are all captive to sin and we cannot free ourselves. But the translators say, release, because they're thinking, yes, release. But I don't think that's what Jesus is thinking. I think Jesus was talking about you and I and us as a group needing forgiveness. And that's the word that Luke tells us Jesus used. Forgiveness of sin, offices, release. That's the true release that we need. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's interesting, Pastor Bill. Um, yeah, I kind of probably think the other Bible translators know more than you, and you're correct about that, 100%. But let me just throw on one more log on the fire with this. If Jesus was talking about some other kind of release, like release from an ideology or release from a certain system of government or a, a group of people, the Egyptians or the if, if whoever it might be that's oppressing the people from the outside, if he was talking about that, How is it he could possibly say, roll up the scroll and say what? Today, this scripture is what? Fulfilled. Were the Romans still in charge? Yes, but Jesus says, this is fulfilled. I would make the case to you today that what Jesus is talking about, and the reason he can say it's fulfilled is because that's exactly what his word does. His word forgives sin and raises from the dead. And so he comes and he preaches. It's true. Why? Because he's there and he can do it and he can say it. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He has the authority and he says, this has happened. You are released from your sin. Isn't that what we need today? Isn't that what you maybe came here for? Because don't we all live under the accusation of not measuring up in one form or another? I said this to my kid. I didn't get the score on the grade, on the test that I wanted. My friends rejected me at school. I struck out and I let my team down. We all live under the accusation of the law. My hair's not right. My body image isn't right. I, you know, this isn't right. That isn't right. Um, we all live under that and it is, does hold us captive. I so want, as I look look at social media. I mean, it used to be we just got accused by the law. You know, I'll speak for myself. When I walk through a grocery store and I see that magazine of that guy with the six-pack, on you know, you know, I go, "Whoa, my body doesn't look like that." And I go, ah. "You know, I, you know, I'm I'm not measuring up." Well, th- you think about that for our, our young people today with social media. I mean, it's just always accusing them of not being good enough. I'll never forget. When I was in college it was a rough I don't remember if it was my junior or senior but it was a rough it was a rough day it's a rough moment in my life I don't think baseball was going well my whole life was about playing sports and being playing baseball in particular in college and that wasn't going well things never went that well in school for me actually in truth but nonetheless it was a particularly poignant moment of not doing so well Had some friendships that were really struggling, and and um, so I was feeling bad about that, and I just was feeling rotten about myself in general. And I don't know, do you guys remember beanbag chairs? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we had one that was brown and ugly, and anyway, but when you were in it, you were you, you didn't get out of that thing very fast. And I was just a puddle in that beanbag chair, and you know there were tears, and I just. I was depressed, and I, the accusation of the law of all the ways I would, didn't measure up was just, had just overwhelmed me, and my poor roommates, you know. I, so what did they do? They called the campus pastor. <laughs> pastor Jerry, you got to come. Bill has lost it. <laughs> and I'll never forget that pastor coming in, and somehow he got on that beanbag chair with me, and he grabbed my hand. I can still feel his hand. And he spoke a word to me that was more powerful than the accusation of my sin, of all the things that I didn't measure up because of. And I, and he would say, Bill, you're a child of God. And I'd say, no, I'm not, and I'm this and that. And he would just counter and say, yes, you are. You are a child of God, and you are not worthless, and you are this. And we just were in this battle, and his word just, and, and if you knew this pastor, you know, his word is going to, gently and beautifully went out, and it did, and he finally spoke that word of forgiveness, and he set me free from the accusation of that law. He held my hand, and he gave that to me, and that's all I want to do for you today. I want you to know Jesus' hand has grabbed hold of you, and he loves you, and he says, yes, the law accuses you, and all the ways you're too old, you're too young, you're not strong enough, you're weak, you're this, you're that, you're whatever it is. Jesus has taken hold of you right now in this word, and he says, you are forgiven, and that forgiveness is not just that I've erased something, but now I give you, you are perfect. You're my child. You're going to get that touch in the meal today when you have the Lord's Supper. And that's what real release is. And yes, the gospel hurts sometimes, but guess what? That embrace is for you and for all people, especially those who nobody else thinks is worthy to be in God's company. God is for all, and that embrace is for you and for me. Let it be so. And, oh, but you might be wondering, and you should wonder this, how do we know this is true, Bill? How do we know Jesus has got that kind of power? Christ is risen.